0: Artistic Whispers Productions presents. Let us make man in our own image, said God. We create God, we make God, we create man, we make man. Man, dear gentlemen, return the favor. You're listening to Sculpting God, a podcast anthology written and read by J. Daniel Sawyer. These stories contain enough terror, sex, violence, and wonder to keep you awake all night. Sculpting God. If you're just joining the podcast feed, you may want to go back one episode and catch up. Because this week, we rejoin the story of Rick, the virtual reality shopkeeper. Last time, if you'll remember, we got to know his shop, his attitude, and his customers. One of them, Nika Alvarez, has just had him over for dinner and a nightcap, and then had him sleep on the couch for the night. Is she romancing him? He's more relaxed this morning than he's been in years. But will it last? Find out right now. In the second and final episode of We Create Worlds. I hadn't been that relaxed in longer than I could remember. It didn't last. As the day wound down, I started seeing things. Some bloke who had no business being in here... I hadn't seen him come in, which meant he came in by the back door, was wandering around through the racks by the manufacturers. When I went back to look, all I saw there was Nika reading a little book. But going back to my count, I saw the bugger again. Dead ringer for the bastard who offed himself in my arena last year, whisking through here and there like a goddamn ballerina in a trench coat. Give me the shivers. Hey you, stop there! I couldn't get another good look at his face. He kept ducking away. I chased him all over the store but couldn't catch him. Too relaxed to even think straight or something, I tell you. It took me a good 15 minutes to get it into my head that all I had to do was go look at the security cameras. But when I finally did, there was nothing. I knew he was there. I'd seen him with my own eyes. And I hadn't eaten or drunk anything that someone could have dosed for over four hours. I wasn't carrying skin tabs in an inside pocket, but the bloody vid showed no trench coat nutter running around my shop. Just me, jumping out around corners like I'm playing hide and seek with my own shadow, making a sodden fool of myself. I shook my head clear and went outside for a breather. Something was wrong with me. I didn't know what. Next day gave me one better, though. Well, it was a kind of relief, in a way. Nobody was there when I got in that morning, and after the day before, it gave me the screaming willies, that empty shop. The place smelled like a toilet in an abattoir, with workmen due in any minute to install the new arena. I couldn't have them coming in seeing the place like that, and if the smell was coming from the equipment, it had to be fixed before they jacked into the system. Christ, I ain't never smelled anything so bad in my life. I tried following my nose, but I couldn't find a thing... The smell had gotten into the vents and blanketed everywhere, pretty much the same. At the end of it, I had to tear every service panel off every machine, cabinet, and cooling unit in the place till I found it. An aft-rotted mackerel cooking nastily on the cooling grill of the printing machine in the manufactured novel section. I picked it out with some tongs and a screwdriver, trying to keep as much of it as I could from sliding over the grill and down into the electronics, but bits of it kept falling down like fat dripping from a Christmas turkey. Foul as a flint heart. Ugh. I managed to get it up without gagging too much but I couldn't clear the smell out by the time the workmen came. So I spent most of the day hanging around out in the front of the store, doing the books on a PPD and trying to smoke enough to get the evil smell out of my nostrils. I poked my nose in after lunch. All the regulars knew about the refit and had stayed away until the afternoon anyway, and the smell had died down to the level of day-old spoiled diapers. There's a smell I don't ever want to get a whiff of again, I must say. I decided to stay out for a little longer, but I propped the door open so the rest of the reek could air out. At this rate, I was going to have to have the cleaners in the next day to slap some charcoal down, which costs so much, it's just this side of torching the place to put it out of my misery. Between ghosts leading me on wild goose chases and Nika taking me to her place for god knows what reason, I'd been hopping around on quicksand trying to figure out who turned the dial on reality. But now... Now people were playing games in my shop with dead fish. I had something tangible. But who was playing these games? And why? No matter how many times I turned it over inside out, put it under a scanner, I couldn't figure it out. The money men had no reason to do it. We were turning a good profit. The community groups had their pound of flesh and we were playing nice with the local values. (sighs) I sighed and gave up for a moment. It was getting on to about 2 in the p.m. and still no customers. Not a big thing. The foot traffic didn't pick up till the afternoon on weekdays and on Tuesdays we didn't have any regular scheduled in the morning. There was some peppermint oil behind the counter on the rack of essentials I kept for therapeutic customers. I had half a dozen massage therapists who used to come in and use the arenas for immersion work with chronic stress ball patients. I grabbed a vial of it and dumped it into the humidification tank. Inside a few minutes, I had a bit more puff I didn't have to hold my hanky up to my face walking around inside the store anymore. Paul came in at two on the dot, just on cue. Stuck his nose in the air and looked at me like I was a well-loved slave. Well, 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 if it ain't the great emperor. I didn't have much patience for his shenanigans. I guess it showed. Good afternoon, good son. Gods, that voice... You look like one of my legionnaires at a field hospital, man. I didn't much like him looking at me, and I didn't have the patience to listen and play nice with him. I wanted him processed and gone. But all that morning, stewing over that damn fish had my tongue running three steps out of my head. Oh, I don't know, mate. I got this woman, and a couple nights ago, she threw me on a couch in a living room like a fucking night watchman at a jelly baby factory. Don't worry, Rick. Women are, well, women are like that. His aristocratic blinking got on my nerves. Almost as if he were totaling his conquests on the battlefield. You never know what they're up to until you find out. Paul settled his right hand into his coat as if what he said actually meant something. If my thoughts were that clear, Gov, I couldn't find my ass in the morning to put on the pot and fuck off for making billions on the exchange. That's why you're stuck here, my boy, instead of leading men into battle. Embrace the power of the obvious. You ain't just sodden the a weasel there, mate. I suddenly wished using a gun behind the counter wouldn't give me extra trouble on the backside. <laughs> There's a new scent on the air. What? Uh, I come in this morning and someone vandalized the store. I tell you, old cunt, it's been a Waterloo day here. Well, he clapped me on the shoulder. Keep your columns straight and your troops fed, and you'll do just fine. I'll think about it. I snorted. Bloody fool's mind was gone. You have an army to attend to. Ah, the army. Yes. Last week they were quite anemic. I hope it's a challenge this time. For your sake. Fear not, my liege. You will not be disappointed. Jerusalem, 70 CE. Romans at the gates starving everyone out. Cannibals within the walls. No leader ever faced a greater challenge. Good, good, good. Show me the way. I got him squirreled away and gave the store another Passover. The stench wasn't enough to strip the skin off an horse anymore, but it wasn't going to win any awards from Chanel. The peppermint and the outside air made it just tolerable enough to look around for anything else. A can of anchovies in the cash register, maybe? Or perhaps an handful of over-friendly rats stuck under one of the sofas after eating strychnine M&Ms. I double-searched every cranny of that place below eye level. I thought about venturing up into the rafters, but thought better of it when I got past the sixth step on my ladder and remembered that fumes rise. One mental note to leave the roof exhaust on overnight later, and I was showing both Paul and the workmen out. No Nika today. Good thing. She was the last person I wanted to see right now. No Fork either. He'd never missed a regular four o'clock Tuesday, and all the time we'd been open. The dingle dangle dumbass door had dingled its last for the day. Not a lung whisper in the whole place but mine. The contractors had ripped that old hock shop next door apart like vultures at a rotten hedgehog, and in its place they erected a glorious temple, ready for offerings. The owner's manual was about as informative as the sales brochure, so there wasn't much for it but to give the bright and shinies a turn on the floor. A couple minutes of thumbing through the interface, and I thought I had the hang of it. It still ran my old AI back-end, standard in the industry. They'd extended it with a plug-in architecture for extra fuzzy modules and, of course, the new interface. I knew there wouldn't be many surprises. It was my engine, after all. I wrote it and tested every permutation to death for years. I could predict every move stone drunk, and on 500 mics. I had to try it out. I don't dip down very often, but on some occasions, it's necessary. A bloke needs to escape sometimes. I had fish and widows and invisible people fucking with my head. For the last year and a half, I'd been steering clear as much as I can, but I needed to get my head on straight. It is, after all, my shop, no matter what the old Don thinks. I stripped off and stepped into the laminate shower. Little nanites in the dip formed themselves into a network as it added on me, covering every inch of skin with a flexible machine. The manual said it had to 1 to 100 neuronal resolution, meaning that there was one little actuator for every 100 neurons in the average adult skin surface area. Better than the suits by two powers of ten. At least by the numbers. Too bad it itched. Stepping out of the shower and into the arena, my skin flushed hot. What was this, menopause and a high-tech duster? Felt like someone had rubbed camphor in every crevice and cranny. I started scratching at it, but the moment I touched it, the feeling tamped out. A gentle, cool feeling spread over all my skin, and an all display popped up in front of me. I grabbed the corner of the display, it felt like ordinary paper, and started thumbing through the admin screens till I found the file loader. There it was still back there in the files after this kind of day i needed a good rub down so i loaded up Maya. the villa was perfect everything was solid to the touch i stood naked in frida Kahlo's backyard i could smell adobe rising from the kitchen and the lemon tree was in full bloom i climbed up on the massage table no sponginess in the stone and the leather on the table was perfect When you play in the old arenas with the suits, there's about a millisecond delay between touching something and feeling it. Most people don't notice it, but not in there. I couldn't feel any delay at all, and I know what I'm feeling for. Either I was getting older and slower, or this arena was every inch as good as advertised. I laid down and waited. In a moment... Maya came out, draped in a sarong, and slathered the olive and orange oil on her hands and went to work. Magic hands, that bird. Mm. She was always my favourite. My mind oh, right floated there. off oh. on the smells, the touch, the sounds. All perfect. She Ooh. sighed softly as she pushed on my muscles, The not screamed oh, like right a tense there. virgin on a wedding night. Mm. But I didn't care. I needed the <sighs> pain A good hour or two, I lost track, and the sun didn't move in the sky in this program, and I was all loose and ready to play. She felt like melted butter when she wrapped around me. I hadn't had any in a week, or a lot longer than normal, and I was bursting. We went everywhere and screamed so loud it blew my ears. Perfect girl. No surprises. Just what I needed. Laying out with her on the floor, trying to find my wind again, I thought the world might just finally make sense. I kept on thinking it too. Right up until she sliced my leg open with a knife. If I hadn't been rolling over at the time, to find a good position to doze in, she'd have taken my eddy clean off. What the... I barely got it out before she pounced again with a knife the size of my forearm. I jumped and dodged again. Arena, shut down! Nothing. She was fast. Too fast. She kept cutting and cutting until I was bleeding all over the place. I pounded on every surface I could find, trying to find the emergency switch. I kept running into walls. Every open archway I tried was making a hard wall of the arena, so I kept on jumping and dodging and throwing rocks around the perimeter. She cornered me at the north edge of the courtyard, and there was nothing left for it. I had one doorway left. One rock. I threw it hard at her head and knocked her over. Jumping back, I threw all my weight against the open hatch and fell through. I caught my feet and started dashing around inside, throwing the furniture across the path behind me. Whatever had gone batshit with my program, it didn't extend to her being able to defy gravity and walk through walls. Maya came at me like an Aztec priest trying to quench the sun. The blood loss was getting to me. I had no way to know whether it was real or not, and my eyeballs were going fuzzy. Down to a shuffle, I threw the wardrobe out of my way and rammed my shoulder up against the wall. It gave, and the illusion disappeared altogether. I fell onto the floor, hard. None of the projections were there anymore. I could only see a grey floor around me all the way to the cyclorama walls. The projectors were dark and quiet. I crawled over to the portal where the showers were and I turned the rinse on. The second skin melted off me like snail snot. Everywhere. stung. I'd been in a HK program and wasn't really all that scared once the projectors blinked off. It was a projection. A game. Something had gone wrong with a crosslink file. Somehow, my massage program had called up one of my HK programs. But when the snot sloughed off, the panic set in. I was bleeding everywhere. The sodden nanites had lacerated me up to shit like a cat had been at me. I brushed the rest of them off my body and grabbed my clothes, got out of the arena as fast as I could stagger. I didn't have anything to stosh the blood flow at my clothes, so I slithered back into them as gingerly as I could. I stumbled around through the manufactured section. Everything felt Wrong. My head flying around like a bloody Ferris wheel. My trousers sticking to me like they'd been soaked in cold sick. Somehow I'd found my counter and I logged into the workstation. Someone had sorted up my AI. It had to be. They cracked in and set up a ghost I'd been chasing. They turned off the safeties in the new arena. I got to the access logs and started to scan them, find out who had been in there. And as I sat down to work, I managed to stuff the panic and get my wind back. This was a problem, just like any other problem. Basic security issue. I find out who did it and get a wise guy onto them. And that thought is why I was smiling. When I looked up and saw the ghost, just before he swung a cricket back at my face and cracked my skull open. Ow! Someone jammed a knitting needle up my nose. I started up and saw the blood on the ground all around me. My face was crusty with the dry blood and the snail snot that I hadn't washed off in a hurry before. Between the blood and the sweat, and outliving their lifespan, the nano web skin was breaking down on its own. I shook my head to clear it, and my nose brushed my shoulder. I screamed, knitting needle again. My nose was broken, probably my jaw too. It wasn't, hurting, but it slid around any time I tried to move it. Everything was numb. I grabbed my desk and pulled myself up, managed to blink my eyes into focus. The screens were just where they had been. Nobody had touched them. Why would someone break in? Screw with the programs. Try to kill me with a cricket bat and not... I looked up from the screen and screamed. The ghost was still there. The cricket bat in his hand. I ducked as he swung for me. I smashed my back against the wall trying to dodge, but it wasn't far enough. The bat swung straight for my face. I closed my eyes and waited for it. It never hit. I opened my eyes and saw it coming around again and clamped them shut. Nothing. My eyelids snaked open again. He was still there, swinging and swinging like he was trying to bat a mosquito off my nose. But he wasn't. He was swinging straight through my head. Each time. Bloody hell. He was a hologram. He had to be. I sat forward again and looked at his face. He looked like the twin brother of that sorry sort who offed himself here last year. The band from Arena 2. I looked back down at the security logs, paging through one after another every one of 15,000 electronic access transactions from the past week. Nothing. Whoever set it up covered their tracks. They had my access code. They had lifted my biometrics. Someone No, couldn't be. I studied the cricket mad projection again. It just couldn't be. Closed my eyes and took a breath, trying to center myself as the world slipped out and sideways from under me. The billing logs, yeah. I never asked my customers' names. If I ever needed them, they were in the billing and logs. And the less I know about them, the more comfy they are with me. The billing logs from a year ago, May, Memorial Day weekend. Police reports, the day before the police reports, Arena 2. Customer name, Enrico Alvarez. Alvarez. Nika. She grabbed my prints and eyes when I was at her house. Somehow she'd gotten in here, or at least sent someone here. The mount projectors in the shop lobby. Rewritten the massage program. Told it to kill me. She couldn't have done this on her own. I slipped off the chair. It was dark outside. The fog was up. I struggled up the steps of my ladder and looked around the lip of the room. Twenty little pinholes in the rafter work. All projectors. I touched the snail snot and blood on my face. The bat had worked because the nanites were still alive. Now that they were dead and the mass dissolved, he couldn't touch me. He hadn't shown up in the scanners because holograms phase out from different angles. Someone had been at this for weeks or months, setting this up. Lots of dollars. I slid down the ladder and groaned when I hit the ground. I grabbed my keys and locked the door behind me. Somewhere at the south end of town was a woman toasting my death. Somewhere across the bay were the maid men who she'd gotten to help her do it. Somewhere in San Jose, there was an airport, and I still had my cards. I grabbed a pocketful of hundreds out of the ATM, rotating through my accounts. No credit trail. I still had time to get out of the country before they found out I wasn't lying dead on the floor in the morning. The fog was thick. I couldn't see more than a hundred feet in any direction. The lights from the store made it glow behind me. It deadened all the sounds of the night. I could only hear my footsteps and their dead echo off the street. If they wanted it that bad, they could have it. There were other worlds where I could keep my skin. I stepped onto the commuter train and hoped to hell they didn't have a tail on me. The codeine and X I had in my pocket gave me a nice, even bed for the pain and I propped my head against the bulkhead and let myself drop off to sleep. It would be a good hour before I needed to move again. You have been listening to Part 2 of We Create Worlds, written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer. The parts of Maya and the computer were performed by Kitty Nakian. Some sound effects courtesy the Free Sound Project. Music kindly furnished by the following Podsafe Music Network affiliated artists. Al Philip, George Robb, Ash Verjee, and Axe Pure. Opening quote by Voltaire. Sound design, recording, mixing, and post-production services for We Create Worlds by Artistic Whispers Productions. This production is copyright 2008 Artistic Whispers Productions and is available under a Creative Commons non-commercial attribution no derivatives license. And the story upon which it is based is copyright 1997 and 2007. J. Daniel Sawyer. All rights reserved to the author. Well, that's the story. We Create Worlds was my first attempt at writing adult fiction while I was still in college. And, at the time I wrote it, it didn't quite work. The first draft was a story of Rick's seduction and reform at the hands of the wiser and wilier Nika. It never worked, as you can probably imagine. But Rick's manner and voice kept me coming back to tinker with it over the years. I may keep tinkering with it for life, but uh, this version has something about it that I particularly like. Just don't ask me what sculpting god is proving to be loads of fun and i'm glad i took sigler's advice and got into podcasting fiction of course i'm running out of predominantly male voiced stories most of what i write tends to focus on women as the main characters so i am on the lookout for actresses if you are a voice actress or want to be and want to build your reel please drop me an email and we will work something out The series itself is going to run for another five stories, and then I'll transition into podcasting my novel, Predestination, and other games of chance. You'll be hearing more about that one in the coming weeks. I hope you enjoyed the story. Send feedback to feedback at jdsawyer.net or leave audio comments at area code 206-376-1925. Keep up with my authorial doings at www.jdsawyer.net and be sure to check out my new articles on video editing and on desktop software in the current issue of Linux Journal Magazine. Next time on Sculpting God, we'll hear the real story of a garden, a snake and the women who changed everything. Tune in for Lilith. Until next time. Sculpting God is written and directed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Web design production and post-production services provided by Artistic Whispers Productions, www.artisticwhispers.com. Theme music for this podcast provided by Podsafe Music Network artists, 100-Year Picnic and 2012.